Washington, D.C., this is On the Ground. What we are telling Palestinians fighting apartheid is the same thing being told to my black neighbors and Americans throughout that are fighting against police brutality here. There is no form of acceptable resistance to state violence. The status quo of occupation and creeping de facto annexation is unjust and not sustainable. $3.8 billion in annual U.S. military aid enables. It gives a green light to Israel's occupation of Palestine because there is no accountability and there is no oversight by Congress. From the slavery enshrined in this Constitution against Africans to the taking of land from Native Americans or the shameful support of dictators beyond our shores. But today we face an inflection point, a reckoning Our St. Louis community sent me here to save lives. So that means we oppose our money going to fund militarized policing, occupation and systems of violent oppression and trauma. We are anti-war, we are anti-occupation, and we are anti-apartheid, period. All that and much more coming up. Welcome to On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Averam. During an historic evening in Congress on May 13, 2021, members of the House of Representatives delivered a full hour of speeches in support of rights of the Palestinian people. The impassioned remarks, including by the only Palestinian member of Congress, Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, were the first such efforts in Congress, which approves annually nearly $4 billion for the apartheid state of Israel, and where there is growing pressure to have that aid be conditioned because of Israel's war crimes and crimes against humanity. We spend the hour hearing voices from this historic session as hundreds of thousands of people around the globe are participating in mass marches supporting Palestinian liberation and in support of the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement against Israel. This current Palestinian uprising was sparked by Israel's seizure of Palestinian homes in the East Jerusalem neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah and Israeli forces storming the Al-Aqsa Mosque holy site during Ramadan, firing rubber bullets, tear gas, and stun grenades at worshippers, sending 200 people to the hospital on May 10th. In response to these atrocities, Hamas issued a warning for Israel to stop and then began firing rockets from Gaza. Israel responded by bombing Gaza, killing 248 Palestinians, including 66 children. Twelve people were killed in Israel by Hamas rockets. The hour of speeches co-organized and moderated by Representative Mark Pocan of Wisconsin began with Representative Rashida Tlaib. I am the only Palestinian-American member of Congress now, and my mere existence has disrupted the status quo. So personal for me. I am a reminder to colleagues that Palestinians do indeed exist, that we are human, that we are allowed to dream. We are mothers, daughters, granddaughters. We are justice seekers and are unapologetically about our fight against oppressions of all forms. And colleagues, 
Palestinians aren't going anywhere, no matter how much money you send to Israel's apartheid government. If we are to make good on our promises to support equal human rights for all, it is our duty to end the apartheid system that for decades has subjected Palestinians to inhumane treatment and racism. Reducing Palestinians to live in utter fear and terror of losing a child, being indefinitely detained or killed because of who they are, and the unequal rights and protections they have under Israeli law. It must end. One of Israel's most prominent human rights organizations, B'Tselem, has declared Israel an apartheid state. Human Rights Watch recently recognized it too. This is what Palestinians living under Israel's oppression have been telling us for decades. I have been told by some of my colleagues who dispute the truth about segregation, racism, and violence in Israel towards Palestinians that I, that I need to know the history. What they mean, unintentionally or not, is that Palestinians do not have the right to tell the truth about what happened to them during the founding of Israel. They are in effect, in fact, they erase the truth about ethnic cleansing of Palestinians in Israel that some refer to as the Nakba, our catastrophe. As Palestinians talk about our history, know that many of my black neighbors, indigenous communities, may not know what we mean by Nakba, but they do understand what it means to be killed, expelled from your home, land, made homeless, and stripped of your human rights. My ancestors and current family in Palestine deserve the world to hear their history without obstruction. They have a right to be able to explain to the world that they are still suffering, still being dispossessed, still being killed as the world watches and does nothing. As Peter Beinart, an American of Jewish faith, writes, quote, when you tell a people to forget its past, you are not proposing peace. You are proposing extinction. The Palestinian story is that of being made a refugee on the lands you called home. We cannot have an honest conversation about U.S. military support for the Israeli government today without acknowledging that for Palestinians, the catastrophe of displacement and dehumanization in their homeland has been ongoing since 1948. To read the statements from President Biden, Secretary Blinken, General Austin, and leaders of both parties, you'd hardly know Palestinians existed at all. There has been no recognition of the attack on Palestinian families being ripped from their homes in East Jerusalem right now, or home demolitions. No mention of children being detained or murdered. No recognition of a sustained campaign of harassment and terror by Israeli police against worshipers kneeling down and praying and celebrating their holiest days in one of their holiest places. No mention of Al-Aqsa being surrounded by violence, tear gas, smoke, while people pray. Can my colleagues imagine if it was their place of worship filled with tear gas? Could you pray as stun grenades were tossed into your holiest place? Above all, there has been absolutely no recognition of Palestinian humanity. If our own State Department can't even bring itself to acknowledge the killing of Palestinian children is wrong, well, I will say it for the millions of Americans who stand with me 
against the killing of innocent children, no matter their ethnicity or faith. I weep for all the lives lost under the unbearable status quo, every single one, no matter their faith, their background. We all deserve freedom, liberty, peace, and justice, and it should never be denied because of our faith or ethnic background. No child, Palestinian or Israeli, whoever they are, should ever have to worry that death will rain from the sky. How many of my colleagues are willing to say the same, to stand for Palestinian human rights as they do for Israelis? There is a crushing dehumanization to how we talk about this terrible violence. The New York Post reported the Palestinian death toll as Israeli casualties. ABC says that Israelis are, quote, killed, while Palestinians simply, quote, die, as if by magic, as if they were never human to begin with. Help me understand the math. How many Palestinians have to die for their lives to matter? Life under apartheid strips Palestinians of their human dignity. How would you feel if you had to go through dehumanizing checkpoints? Two blocks from your own home to go to the doctor or travel across your own land? How would you feel if you had to do it while pregnant in the scorching heat as soldiers with guns controlled your freedom? How would you feel it if you lived in Gaza where your power and water might be out for days or weeks at a time, where you were cut off from your the outside world by inhumane military blockade. Meanwhile, Palestinians' rights to nonviolent resistance have been curtailed and even criminalized. Our party leaders have spoken forcefully against BDS, calling its proponents anti-Semitic, despite the same tactics being critical to ending the South African apartheid mere decades ago. What we are telling Palestinians fighting apartheid is the same thing being told to my black neighbors and Americans throughout that are fighting against police brutality here. There is no form of acceptable resistance to state violence. As long as the message from Washington is that our military support for Israel is unconditional, Netanyahu's extremism Right-wing government will continue to expand settlements, continue to demolish homes, and continue to make the prospects for peace impossible. 330 of my own colleagues, and Democrats and Republicans here, 75% of the body here, signed a letter pledging that Israel shall never be made to comply with basic human rights laws that other countries that receive our military aid must observe. You know, when I see the images and videos of destruction and death in Palestine, all I hear are the children screaming from pure fear and terror. I want to read something a mother named Iman in Gaza wrote two days ago. She said, quote, Tonight I put the kids to sleep in our bedroom so that when we die, we die together. And no one would live to mourn the loss of another one. The statement broke me a little more because of my country's policies and funding will deny this mother's right to see children live, her own children live without fear and to grow old without painful trauma and violence. We must condition aid to Israel on compliance with international human rights and end the apartheid. We must, with no hesitation, 
demand that our country recognize the unconditional support of Israel has enabled the erasure of Palestinian life and the denial of the rights of millions of refugees and emboldens the apartheid policies that Human Rights Watch has detailed thoroughly in their recent report. I stand before you not only as a congresswoman for the beautiful 13 District Strong, but also as a proud daughter of Palestinian immigrants and the granddaughter of a loving Palestinian grandmother living in the occupied Philistine. You take that and you combine it with the fact that I was raised in one of the most beautiful, blackest cities in America, a city where movements for civil rights and social justice are birthed, the city of Detroit. So I can't stand here. I can't stand silent when injustice exists, where the truth is obscured. If there's one thing Detroit instilled in this Palestinian girl from Southwest, it's you always speak truth to power even if your voice shakes. The freedom of Palestinians is connected to the fight against oppression all over the world. Lastly, to my city in Palestine, Ashanik, on a whack of Hannah, I stand here because of you. Thank you. That was Rashida Tlaib of Michigan speaking in a very personal, heartfelt, and heart-wrenching uh, address on the floor of the House of Representatives on May 13th, 2021. This is a special presentation of On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. Now we return to these historic speeches on the floor of Congress and hear from Representative Ilhan Omar. Thank you, Congressman Mark Pocan. And I want to extend my gratitude to Marie Newman for helping lead uh, this important discussion. And I want to thank all of the members who are here who showed up in solidarity. Mr. Speaker, as someone who has experienced war firsthand, I have deep understanding of the suffering that comes along with it. As a child, I lived through a violent civil war that destroyed my home, ripped my family apart from each other, and killed many of my family and friends. I can still remember being just eight years old, hiding under the bed, hearing bombs go off outside my window, and wondering if we were going to be hit next. It is trauma I will live with for the rest of my life. So I understand on a deeply human level the pain and the anguish families are feeling in Palestine and Israel at the moment and the helplessness people feel here in the United States who have family in the region, including many of my constituents. And it is for this reason that I abhor violence. Whether rocket attacks or airstrikes, violence does nothing to make people more secure. It only furthers the interest of the powerful while costing lives, futures, and families. But we must speak out truthfully and forcefully about the seed of this conflict and about what is happening today. The truth is that this is not a conflict between two states. This is not a civil war. 
It is a conflict where one country, funded and supported by the United States government, continues an illegal military occupation over another group of people. This is not my description of it. This is the description of conservative Israeli leader, Ariel Sharon, who in 2003 said, and I quote, to hold 3.5 million Palestinians under occupation, in my opinion, is a very bad thing for us and for them. It is an occupation, he said. You might not like this word, but it is really an occupation. To understand what is taking place at this moment, we must understand how it began. In 1948, 700,000 Palestinians were forcibly removed and uprooted from their homes in what has come to be known as the Nakba, or the catastrophe. 78% of their land was taken from them. Now consider that. 78% of their land was taken from them. Since then, 5.6 million Palestinians have been continually displaced from their homes in one of the largest and longest-lasting refugee crises in human history. For decades, the United States, the United Nations, and many Israelis and Palestinians have pushed for a Palestinian state in which the Palestinians can enjoy the same rights afforded to their Israeli counterparts. But in the past several years, that hope has increasingly slipped away. The Israeli government and their far-right ethno-nationalist leader, Benjamin Netanyahu, has legally raised Palestinian ancestral homes, leveled entire neighborhoods, and violently suppressed any resistance. This is all to make way for illegal Israeli settlement outposts designed to displace Palestinians from their homes and prevent a future Palestinian state. Since 1993, when the first Oslo Peace Accord was signed, illegal settlements have increased by nearly 400,000. And Netanyahu has made explicit his goal to annex much of the West Bank, home to over 3 million Palestinians. On top of that, Palestinian movement, speech, and economic activity are severely limited. Palestinians are not allowed to leave the Gaza Strip except in extreme cases. Medical shortage are rampant, and youth unemployment was already 40% before the pandemic hit. People who protest, including young children, are routinely shot by the IDF soldiers, often killed with no consequence in Israeli courts. As a recent report by Human Rights Watch detailed, this can only be described as an apartheid all of which brings us to the current crisis. This week, Israeli authorities were planning more forced displacement in Sheikh Jarrah, a Palestinian neighborhood in East Jerusalem, home to Palestinian refugees who had already been displaced. On Thursday, settlers began harassing and attacking Palestinians who were breaking their Ramadan fast doing a protest vigil in Sheikh Jarrah. The deputy mayor of Jerusalem joined to mock Palestinians. 
saying to one protester, and I quote, did they take the bullet out of your ass? It is a petty. It didn't go here, pointing to his head. Then, on the last Friday of the holy month of Ramadan, Israeli military forces stormed Al-Aqsa Mosque, one of the holiest sites in Islam, firing stun grenades, tear gas, and rubber bullets. Over 300 people were injured. 200 of them were hospitalized. What happened next is well known. Hamas fired rockets into Israel, which has taken the lives of six Israelis. And the Israeli military launched airstrikes into Gaza, targeting civilian buildings, which have already killed 69 people, including 16 children. Let me be clear. Every single death in this conflict is a tragedy. Every rocket and bomb that targets civilians is a war crime. I feel the pain of every child who's forced to hide under their beds because they fear for their life, and every parent who deals with that anguish. And I wish we as a nation treated that pain equally. But right now, we are not. And instead of condemning blatant crimes against humanity and human rights abuses, many members of Congress have instead fallen back on a blanketed statement defending Israel's airstrikes against civilians under the guise of self-defense, without even a mention of the children getting killed, much less what happened at Al-Aqsa or in Shirjara. When the 15-member United Nations Security Council proposed a resolution this week calling on the Israeli government to cease settlement activities, demolition and eviction, and urging general restraint, the United States reportedly blocked it from happening. We are currently blocking the United Nations Security Council from calling on ceasefire. And to this day... We as members of Congress have not had yet a hearing or a briefing on this conflict or gotten answers on whether our weaponry or money is being used to commit human rights abuses. So I must ask, when we defend Israeli citizens' right to peace and security, how can we at the same time ignore the 5 million Palestinians living under occupation? When we say that Israel has the right to self-defense, how can we ignore the home demolitions, settlement violence, and forced annexation of Palestinian land that is happening, and how can we say they themselves do not have the right to defend themselves? How can we pay lip service to a Palestinian state, yet do absolutely nothing to make that state a reality while the Israel government we fund tries to make it impossible. I will end with this. Today is Eid, the final day of Ramadan, one of the joyous days in the Muslim calendar. And while I would rather be spending it with my family, I know there are families who are mourning the death of their children because of this. And I owe it to them to speak out on their behalf. So I am here today to stand for our common humanity, to say that every child deserves a life free of violence and oppression. Every child deserves advocates for their humanity, for their safety, and for their security. And it should not be controversial 
to say the same for Palestinian children. Eid Mubarak. Thank you, and I yield back. Thank you very much, Representative Omar, for those words. Uh, the next person I'd like to yield to is someone who is a senior member, a very powerful member of this Congress, uh, the person who is the chair of the Defense Subcommittee on the Appropriations Committee and a lifelong advocate for uh, equality uh, for Palestinians and Israelis, Representative Betty McCollum. Mr. Speaker, I want to thank my colleague, Mr. Pocan, for his kind remarks and for being one of the organizers for tonight's special order. Tonight, I'm here to condemn violence. I'm here to speak out in support of human rights, political rights, and peace. For days, Hamas and extremists in Gaza have been firing rockets into Israel that have caused death, destruction, and fear among Israeli citizens. I condemn Hamas's actions. These attacks must stop. For 45 years, Israel has been enforcing a brutal military occupation in the West Bank that has terrorized Palestinian families. And I condemn Israel's occupation of Palestine. Israel's occupation must end. What we are witnessing in Israel, East Jerusalem, Gaza, and the West Bank, they're the bitter fruits of discrimination that has empowered Jewish extremists and Palestinian extremists. People seeking justice, equality, and peace and opportunity are sidelined, they're silenced, and they're dismissed. We are witnessing the all-too-familiar cycle of violence between Israel and Hamas. And today, we are witnessing Israeli cities at war. Israeli citizens are attacking each other. Israeli citizens who are Jewish and Palestinian are fighting each other. Adding to this hatred, the Israel nation state law and other structural policies of discrimination that treat Palestinians as second-class citizens. Now, I want to be clear. Israel has the right to have their security, and it must be able to defend itself against rockets. But Palestinians have universally recognized human rights, rights that are not recognized under Israeli military occupation. Palestinians have become people without a nation. Palestinians have no government to defend them when they seek justice when their children are abused or tortured by Israel military security forces. Palestinian families cannot defend themselves when Israeli bulldozers destroy their homes and turn their lands over to Jewish settlers. Israel is an ally of the United States, and Congress supports Israel by providing military aid. And I vote for that aid package. The Iron Dome missile defense system that's stopping Hamas rockets is funded out of the Defense Appropriations Subcommittee, which I chair. And I support funding for Iron Dome. And it will be in the bill that I write this year. However, Congress sends $3.8 billion to Israel in the form of military aid to be unrestricted and unconditioned. No limits. Proponents of this unrestricted aid to Israel wrote to the Appropriations Committee, and I quote from their letter, U.S. support of Israel makes the region safer 
and bolsters diplomatic efforts at achieving negotiated two-state solution, resulting in peace and prosperity for both Israelis and Palestinians. To those who support that statement, here are the facts. There are no diplomatic efforts to achieve a two-state solution. The Prime Minister of Israel has repeatedly stated he is committed to annexing Palestinian lands. There is no peace for Palestinians in East Jerusalem or the West Bank. There is an Israel military occupation that abuses and tortures Palestinian children, demolishes Palestinian homes, and steals Palestinian land. The unrestricted, unconditioned $3.8 billion in annual U.S. military aid enables, it gives a green light to Israel's occupation of Palestine because there is no accountability and there is no oversight by Congress. This must change. Not one dollar of U.S. aid to Israel should go towards the military detention of Palestinian children, the annexation of Palestinian lands, or the destruction of Palestinian homes. I support everyone's universal human rights, including Palestinian rights, to live in freedom, to live with equality, with security, with opportunity. I want peace for the people of Israel and the people of Palestine, and I'm willing to do my part to work for justice. Rockets fired from Gaza must stop. The eviction of Palestinian families from East Jerusalem must stop. The burning of synagogues and Arab businesses must stop. And the right-wing extremists that chant, burn the Arabs, well, that must stop too. There is enough hate, there is enough blame to go around. And this conflict will not end until there's responsible leadership on both sides. Peace will not take root until the United States stands up for human rights and security for all people. And that includes human rights and security for the Palestinian people. The Biden administration must work for peace and direct some tough love to the Israeli government and to the Palestinian Authority. End the violence. End the discrimination. End the occupation. Israel deserves security. And Palestinians deserve self-determination and freedom. And tonight, no child, no child should go to bed under the constant fear of violence. We should all want every Israeli, every Palestinian child to live with peace, opportunity, hope for the future. And that's what I'm working to achieve with my colleagues. That was Representative Betty McCollum of Minnesota and before her, Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota. Among the members of Congress speaking out for Palestinian rights this month, May 2021, you're listening to a special presentation of On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. More from the hearing coming up. Stay with us. This is for Palestine, Ramallah, West Bank, Gaza It's about time we globalize the Intifada Listen close, I've got six words for Obama Long live Palestine, long live Gaza Palestine, Ramallah, West Bank, Gaza It's about time we globalize the Intifada Listen close, I've got six words for Obama Long live Palestine, long live Gaza The government supports the people of the UK didn't Zionism's not compatible with Judaism The hijacked faith, the state is 
misrepresenting Israel equals displacement and ethnic cleansing I know I'm on a list for being more verbal Curse every Zionist since Theodore Herzl Balfour was not a wise man Shame on Rothschild Between them the monster they created has gone wild <laughs> لما اخذ هاي يدفع الثمن سيد القاضي ينظر اليه افتح دينيه كم من دليل يصرخ علي اترك المطرق اعطيني حرياتي اربط ايديه Tears to laughter, a children don't fear disaster Living near the master, clear the fastest, hear the casket We rap when we die from boom-bastic talk Looms after hot, summer days in the thunder blaze They murk your dreams like Theodore Herzl screams In the UN in 48, third intifada For mother's daughters, sons martyred and empty fathers now, back to the historic day of speeches in support of Palestine with Representative Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise today to recognize the deep trauma and loss of life perpetuated by systems of oppression here in the United States and globally. Many times I've stood at this dais and affirmed that our destinies are tied. That was clear when protesters took to the streets in the face of police murders, seeking to build a nation where black lives matter. That was clear when our democracy and our lives were put at risk by violent white supremacists who shattered glass and broke doors while wearing anti-Semitic phrases on their chests, carrying the Confederate flag, erecting a noose on the West Lawn. That was clear when students protesting to end poverty and oppression in the streets of Bogota were shot dead. That was clear when families kneeling during this holy month at the third holiest site in Islam were met with tear gas, rubber bullets, and hand grenades. Our destinies are tied. As a black woman in America, I am no stranger to police brutality and state-sanctioned violence. We have been criminalized for the very way we show up in the world. Last summer, when Black Lives Matter protesters took to the streets to demand justice, they were met with force. They faced tear gas, rubber bullets, and a militarized police, just as our Palestinian brothers and sisters are facing in Jerusalem today. Palestinians are being told the same thing as black folks in America. There is no acceptable form of resistance. We are bearing witness to egregious human rights violations. The pain, trauma, and terror that Palestinians are facing is not just the result of this week's escalation, but the consequence of years of military occupation. In Sheikh Jarrah, the Israeli government is violently dispossessing yet another neighborhood of Palestinian families from homes they have lived in for decades. We cannot stand idly and complicitly by and allow the occupation and oppression of the Palestinian people to continue. We cannot remain silent when our government sends $3.8 billion of military aid to Israel that is used to demolish Palestinian homes, imprison Palestinian children, and displace Palestinian families. A budget is a reflection of our values. I'm committed to ensuring that our government does not fund state violence in any form, anywhere. Many say the conditioning aid is not a phrase that I should utter here, but let me be clear. No matter the context, American government dollars always come with conditions. The question at hand is should our taxpayer dollars create conditions for justice, healing, and repair? Or should those dollars create conditions for oppression and apartheid? Now, while I hold space, do space for the storied history and unique lived experiences, 
on the ground globally, there is a through line here. And whether we are talking about the militarization of our communities or weapons of war, the question is the same. If our budgets are a statement of our values, what do we value? Whose lives do we value? We have seen footage of Israeli and Palestinian children huddled fearfully while rockets blanket their homeland. No child should live in fear. No child should grow up in the midst of a conflict that robs them of a childhood. And Palestinian children do not have the same protections afforded to them. Without the U.S. exerting pressure on Israel to de-escalate, the explosive situation in Jerusalem is igniting further violence, not just in the city, but beyond. It is clear there is a grave asymmetry of power here. Palestinians do not have a sovereign state and the protections that come with it. Following forceful violence against the Palestinians simply seeking to remain in their family homes, militant groups in Gaza have launched rockets at Israeli cities, resulting in seven deaths, including a child. In response, the Israeli military has launched severe attacks on Gaza, killing 83 people, 17 of whom are children. This is devastating. The destinies of the Israeli and Palestinian people are tied. Our outrage at the pain, violence, and oppression they face must be clear and unapologetic. Equal outrage for violence perpetrated against all people. And moral clarity when state-sanctioned violence is claiming the lives of innocent mothers, fathers, daughters, and sons. From Jerusalem to Boston, from Randolph to Gaza, from Colombia to Yemen, our destinies are tied, and everyone deserves to live free from fear and to know peace. Thank you, and I yield to the gentleman from Wisconsin. Thank you very much for those remarks. Uh, I'm going to ask the rest of my colleagues if we can try to keep it to three to four minutes each. Um, the good news is there are many people who are very passionate about human rights uh, in the Middle East. Um, the problem is we have an hour total, and uh, I would appreciate that consideration. Next, it's a great honor to introduce a colleague of mine from New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Thank you so much, Representative Pocan, and I think this has been a very difficult week for us as a global community, as communities that are concerned for human rights, uh, all human rights and in, in general, and in particular, um, the rights of Palestinians and Israelis alike that have been impacted by the fear and violence of this week. Now, what I think is important is that um, I'll start with a story. You know, as a little girl, um, my family comes from the island of Puerto Rico, and I grew up uh, visiting my family on the island of Vieques and communities on the island of, of Vieques, where the United States bombed its own territories, its own communities. And I would go to sleep as a little girl to the sound of U.S. bombs detonating. Practice is what it was called at the time, practice. And when I saw those airstrikes that are supported with U.S. funds, I could not help but wonder if our communities were practice for this. This is our business because we are playing a role in it. And the United States must acknowledge its role in the injustice and human rights violations of Palestinians. This is not about both sides. 
This is about an imbalance of power. When I first got here in 2019, the Israeli government refused to admit two members of the United States Congress, Rashida Tlaib and Representative Ilhan Omar, into the country. Banned members of this very body because of who they were said it was a sign of weakness. We have to have the courage to name our contributions. And sometimes I can't help but wonder if the reason we don't do that, if we're scared to stand up to the incarceration of children in Palestine, is because maybe it'll force us to to confront the incarceration of children here on our border. If by standing up to the injustices there, it will prompt us to stand up to the injustices here. We have a responsibility. And if we have historically said and committed to a role as an honest broker, then we must fulfill that role. That means we have to be honest with ourselves, with, with what our aid supports. We have to be honest and ask ourselves questions like why we are using our veto power and the UN Security Council in preventing statements from being released about concerns for this violence alike. The president and many other figures this week stated that Israel has a right to self-defense, and this is uh, a sentiment that is echoed across this body. But do Palestinians have a right to survive? Do we believe that? And if so, we have a responsibility to that as well. And with that, I yield back to the representative. Thank you very much. Thank you very much uh, for those words. Um, It is now my honor to yield three minutes to the representative from Missouri, Ms. Cori Bush. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. St. Louis and I rise today in solidarity with the Palestinian people and in memory of our brother, Bassam Masri, a Ferguson activist who was with us on the front lines of our uprising for justice following the police murder of Michael Brown Jr. Bassam was a St. Louis Palestinian. Bassam also lived in Jerusalem, Palestine. Bassam was one of us. He showed up ready. As a Palestinian, he was ready to resist, to rebel, to rise up with us as our St. Louis community mourned Mike Brown Jr.'s state-sanctioned murder and as we demanded an end to the militarized police occupation of our communities. Palestinians know what state violence, militarized policing, and occupation of their communities look like, and they've lived that reality of having to go through checkpoints while trying to live their lives. They know this reality and the reality of so much more. So when heavily militarized police forces showed up in Ferguson in 2014, Bassam and so many others of our St. Louis Palestinian community, our our Palestinian siblings showed up too. I remember sitting in a circle on the grass near where Michael Brown Jr. was murdered, and I remember them describing to us what to do when militarized law enforcement shot us with rubber bullets or when they tear gassed us. I remember learning that the same equipment that they used to brutalize us is the same equipment that we send to the Israeli military to police and brutalize Palestinians. I remember Bassam putting his 
life on the line with us. I remember him live streaming for the whole world to see our struggle. I remember our solidarity and I remember the harassment, the extortion, the brutalization he faced for resisting with us. That harassment, that extortion, that brutalization by a heavily armed militarized presence in our community, that's what we fund when our government sends our tax dollars to the Israeli military. St. Louis sent me here to save lives. Bassam's loved ones and his community, our St. Louis community, sent me here to save lives. So that means we oppose our money going to fund militarized policing, occupation, and systems of violent oppression and trauma. We are anti-war, we are anti-occupation, and we are anti-apartheid, period. If this body is looking for something productive to do with $3 million instead of funding a military that polices and kills Palestinians, I have some communities in St. Louis City and in St. Louis County where that money can go, where we desperately need investment, where we are hurting, where we need help. Let us prioritize funding there. Prioritize funding life, not destruction. So today, we remember Bassam. We remember his resistance in the face of militarized police occupation as a St. Louis and a, a St. Louisan and a Palestinian. We lost him to a health crisis, but we remember his words today. Until all our children are safe, we will continue to fight for our rights in Palestine and in Ferguson. We stand with you in solidarity. Thank you. You are listening to a special presentation of On the Ground, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. We are featuring voices from Congress speaking out for the rights of the Palestinian people. Uh, it is now my honor to introduce from the state of Indiana, uh, the extremely patient because he's been here for nearly an hour waiting to speak, Representative Andre Carson. Thank you, Congressman Pocan. You know, Mr. Speaker, uh, I rise today in solidarity with the Palestinian people as they face grave injustices, violence, and certainly abuse. And I join the countless people around the world, Mr. Speaker, who have vehemently opposed to the planned forced evictions of Palestinians in Sheikh Jarrah and saddened by the escalating violence that threatens Israelis and Palestinians alike. We must condemn all forms of violence and mourn the loss of both Palestinian lives and Israeli lives. I stand here today as one of three Muslims serving in Congress on Eid Day, 
heartbroken to see the attacks on worshipers at the Aqsa Mosque, one of the holiest sites of Islam, and our holiest month of the year by the Israeli government. For decades, Israel has violated international law and basic human rights through its systematic displacement of Palestinians. For too long, America has looked the other way as Israel has engaged in this horrific campaign against Palestinians. Now, Israel is our security partner. In fact, the U.S. alone gives Israel billions of dollars per year. But we must make sure that our taxpayer dollars are not being used to fund human rights violations. Enough is enough. America has a moral obligation to use our influence to protect the victims of human rights violations, including the Palestinian people. And we must work to strengthen our work to bring peace to this region. This is our moral responsibility to do the right thing. It's not about Jews versus Muslims or Israel versus its neighbors. It's about right versus wrong. And let me be clear, Israel's decade of forced displacement is wrong. That's why we're working hard in Congress to make things right. Our American government must enforce international law and our own foundational principles. And our allies, like Israel, must be held accountable for human rights violations. Now, we're going to keep working hard in Congress to pass much-needed legislation that achieves accountability, equality, and justice for all. America is great, powerful, probably the greatest nation in recorded history, but America's complex. It's a complicated work in progress. For centuries, she has engaged in and enabled the mistreatment of countless people, from the slavery enshrined in this Constitution against Africans, to the taking of land from Native Americans, or the shameful support of dictators beyond our shores. But today, we face an inflection point, a reckoning of whether we will stand up for the values we claim to cherish or if we will turn a blind eye to repeated violations of human rights. We cannot turn our backs now. We must recognize that this is an international struggle and stick by the words of Dr. King when he said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I'm thankful for Dr. King and for the long list of great Americans who have helped bend the arc of the moral universe toward justice. We stand on the shoulders and march in their footsteps as we advance their legacy and boldly stand up to protect the human rights of the Palestinian people. By working together, we can ensure that America uses her power for good in Palestine and around the world. Let's keep up this momentum. Let's help secure justice for the Palestinian people. Let's work for peace. Let's never give up. I yield back to Congressman Pocan. And Representative Andre Carson of Indiana will have the last word on today's special episode of On the Ground 
OnTheGroundShow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital, covering these historic speeches from Congress in support of Palestinian liberation on May 13, 2021. As we go to broadcast on May 28th, a National March for Palestine is planned for D.C. on May 29th, beginning at the Lincoln Memorial at 3 p.m. And we hope to bring you coverage of that event. You can check out all of our current and past shows on the website we maintain, onthegroundshow.org. And you can reach out to us and support us there as well. You can also let us know you like the show at On The Ground Show on Facebook and Twitter. And thank you to all our supporters on Patreon.com at On The Ground Show. Our new podcast, On The Ground with Esther Averam, is on all your podcast platforms. Our new podcast, our social media pages, and website all have a protest sign with green lettering that says On The Ground. The music we played this hour included Long Live Palestine by Low Key, Free Palestine by A. Bashan, Palestine by Carlos Vivanco, and our theme music is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Ivarum. Until next time, keep raising your voice. Peace. This is Esther Ivarum, producer and host of On the Ground, thanking you for listening and for being a part of our audience. And I'm asking you to please partner with us in keeping alive this independent grassroots news program from Washington, D.C. Your fully tax-deductible donation of as little as $3 a month will help us keep lifting up voices of activism and resistance to corporate power and corporate media. So please go to our page at patreon.com forward slash on the ground show that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash on the ground show where we post the shows and bonus material or you can see all the ways to support including end of the year giving and paypal on our website which you know is on the ground show dot org thank you <laughs>